Hi, I'm Lucy von Sturmer, founder of impact-driven thought leadership agency, The Humble Brag, and co-initiator of grassroots activist movement, Creatives for Climate. On this podcast, I'll be learning from pioneers, mavericks, and creative disruptors, all using their power, platform, and influence to build a better world. Women challenge the status quo because we are never it. You're a real leader by simply bringing humanity back to business. Do you want to be a leader that you look back in time and say that you were on the wrong side of the argument when the world was crying out for a solution? This is a positive disturbance. Hey everyone, my next podcast features Rex Herklotz, director of The Next Woman, diving into the topic of female entrepreneurship in the time of COVID-19. It's Rix's life mission to ensure a diverse and equal landscape, and she works towards this by empowering entrepreneurs to scale, receive mentorship, and be matched with potential investors. One of the reasons I've come to admire Rix, who's not even yet 30 years old, is her open, honest, and direct way of being. There's just no fluff with Rix, and her heart is connected to this cause. So I'm really excited to share this with you, and whether you're a man or a woman, or identify as neither or both, Rix's insights on stepping into your power to scale your big ideas is relevant and inspirational for all. So um, I did dress up for this interview because it's about a very serious topic. So welcome, Rix. Hi. How are you going? Good, good. Strange days, huh? Yeah, especially now with the sunshine gone. Yeah, yeah. Reality sinking in. So like, first and foremost, you are also a female entrepreneur. You not only support female entrepreneurs at The Next Woman. So how has your life changed in the last six weeks, seven weeks? Well, it's changed completely. My day-to-day business is usually meeting up with uh, female founders and uh, trying to help them with the growth of their company and all the questions and struggles they come across to. And uh, yeah, right now I'm just working from my home uh, for six weeks straight already. So everything is going online, uh, meetings, but also uh, these, these helpful calls. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a, a, an interesting time to both be sort of the uh, the expert people look to for answers and also having to figure out these answers uh, at the same time. So if people aren't aware, The Next Woman is a network um, that supports female entrepreneurs. And when I started The Humble Brag a few years ago, I joined and have received a lot of mentorship and guidance and community, I would say. Um, is there anything else I'm missing in that that The Next Woman provides? I think probably the investment and the funding, right? Yeah, yeah. So because uh, we saw a funding gap, which has uh, time and get time and time again been proven to exist, lucky for us in a way, uh, yeah. we started a, a crowdfunding uh, fund, which were uh, eighty women that collectively invested back into female entrepreneurship, and that's we're one of the only ones doing that explicitly into female entrepreneurship within the Netherlands. So female founders that are looking for funding usually end up finding us in one way or another. Yeah, yeah, I found you. <laughs> you did. Hey, so, um, I mean, it, it's an obvious answer for you and I, but maybe, you know, it's nice to hear it articulated. Like, why is it so important to support female founded businesses and why is female entrepreneurship such an important topic? 
Well, it's such an important topic because it's a whole different way of doing business. What we see is that women that start companies usually do it at a later stage in their life. It's a lot of the times it's a second or maybe even third career. Uh, they've had their, their the baseline set. They have uh, raised their uh, expertise on topics. They've had this idea for multiple years. So a lot of the times you see that it's after the moment that there's like one or two kids, you don't want to go back into the rat race. So it's time to go on your own journey your own and follow your own dream and really take that leap of faith. And what we see is that women uh, start companies with a whole different mindset because of that. So it's not about uh, raising uh, a multi-million company within one or two years. It's building a sustainable company, both for themselves as well as for the people that they hire and for the community that they're a part of. So it's a different way of, of doing business, which in times like these are so important because I mean, it's great that Amazon is doing an extra 10,000 euros every second now, but that's not going to get us through these crises in the end. No, I mean, I agree. I um, I started the humble brag bold and uh, at 27, but, you know, knowing full, uh, you know, out outright that times might be more difficult for me at in my mid thirties to try and be taking a risk when, you know, obviously quote unquote, the biological clock, which nobody wants to talk about is a real thing. So um, that's certainly true for me is, you know, that was taking control of my own career in a way. Um, and I think it's, you know, unfortunately still an obstacle in terms of how women are treated. Um, so maybe it's interesting to get a bit of a lay of the land. Like, are we living in an equal environment for female entrepreneurs? Do women get the same access to funding? What are the barriers? Um, maybe if we can talk about it pre-COVID, because then I think we should talk about how, you know, it's changing now as well. Yeah, well, I think one of the most interesting facts is that uh, a lot of the Dutch, or the, the Dutch people, we don't believe that we have a bias. So we believe that we're free-spirited, open, uh, fun people, and that we treat everyone uh, without looking at any differences, which is not true because that's inherent to people. And because we don't see it as a flaw that we have, it's really difficult to make it a topic of conversation. So what you see happening is that we sweep it under the rug quite a bit. And uh, so we, we cultivate the, uh, the difference and we don't address the fact that, there's, that there is a bias. Uh, so when you look at funding, uh, yeah. we do have a different kind of access as female entrepreneurs. And that's not because men don't want to invest in women, uh, but it's, uh, there's, there's multiple levels at stake here. It's also women themselves. We don't always want external funding. A lot of women. I don't want external funding. <laughs> a lot of women want to keep the control uh, for themselves, want to keep the 100% of the shares, uh, which yeah. is a different type of company that you build. Uh, women, what we usually say is women want 1% of, um, uh, want 100% of 1 million, where men are happy with 10% of 10, uh, 10 million. Okay. So that, but you build a different type of company. Right, yeah. And if you look at the funding structure, the way funding works, it's really a male-driven way of investing because- I mean, I, when I started my business at the Kavika and it was like, what's your exit plan? I was like, what? Like, I'm actually building this business to be in this business. Impacts my, my exit plan. I mean, so yeah, I, th I think you're right in terms of um, maybe a different a worldview. Yeah, it's a different way of, of looking at, at why you start a company. 
uh, and not like going into the this sort of open door. But for a lot of women, the company is their baby. And I mean, that's not for everyone. And uh, it doesn't mean that if it's not your baby, you do have a direct exit plan. Or if it is your baby, you're not open to an exit strategy in the end as well. I mean, everyone wants to get their kid out of the house after 18 years too. So there is still room there, but it's a different way of looking at things. And as long as the people that control the the funding or that have the funding available to them, don't look at it like that you you have you tend to have a gap and that's not only when it comes to funding but it's also to growing uh your business uh, mentoring uh how to approach a network uh we're just wired differently in a lot of ways i mean it's like it's difficult to have these conversations without speaking in some sort of generalization so before we kind of piss anybody off (laughs) let's acknowledge that this isn't all women. Um, there's a stat here I've got saved, which is in 2015, there were more male CEOs named John than female CEOs, period. Um, but we have some questions coming up. So from Startup Amsterdam, do you think that links to starting your business in later life? Damn. I'm not sure what the that refers to in that sentence. Um, well, what we do see, what what we see in in sort of the why that is is that women uh, and and again generalize so not every woman uh, should uh, shall feel that that we're talking about her but women generally tend to be more risk aware so she wants to have her ducks in a row beforehand before taking that leap of faith and starting their company so. Right. Uh, have have your corporate career have your ex uh, have, learn uh get your experience in order uh build your network save yeah. up some money and then and then take that time to for six to 12 months to see if you can get that company off the ground and to start your kind of dream baby business rather than where's the opportunity in the market i'll trial and error maybe i'll invest i'll go flat on my feet possibly yeah. Julian- question related to this um it's quite a loaded question <laughs> it says does this mean that the male mindset of doing business is bad necessarily no i don't think it's necessarily bad because uh well it's inherent to capitalism I, it is a very loaded question because it does value a lot of the things that we see as being successful at this moment i mean to be successful you have to have over 50 employees maybe even over 100 you need to have yeah. that bmw at your front door the news laptop your suits in order and that's success for us and if you look at uh women-led businesses it's not that women don't build amazing companies i mean we do uh, a list of the 100 most successful female entrepreneurs every year and there's companies there that do 50 million and up on annual revenue so and they have women leading that but it is for a majority not the the reason why they start that company and i do think that if you look in times like these in times of a crisis that uh, women-led businesses i mean one of the the major entrepreneurs of the netherlands that in the second week of the crisis said well this does mean that we're gonna have to cut some people the women that i've spoken to they're they're rallying they're looking for solutions for creative ways to get through this crisis and to keep their people on board as well 
Yeah, and also, I mean, um, I was speaking to a fellow female entrepreneur, Emily from Mischief Makers, and we had a conversation actually like the day that COVID hit and we were all told to stay inside. And she said that, you know, they'd been building contingency plans to make sure, you know, what's the minimum that we need to keep our team here because we know that this is going to pass and we know that our services are going to be in demand. And that was really reassuring and nice for me to hear like, oh, that's possible to have these new kinds of conversations because we are all in this together. So yeah, I think it's really interesting, an interesting moment where expectations of businesses generally are being shifted and where possibly a new kind of approach to, to leadership and to running a business is being seen to be more human. And I certainly think that after this crisis, people will remember those that were more human. Um, Startup Amsterdam confirmed that the that in the sentence was referring to keeping more shares. So is it that, you know, women studying businesses later in life just want to hold on to more of the business? So that's really interesting. Um, we have another question that's popped up. Do you think the female way of entrepreneurship is more sustainable for the planet than the male way? I have a feeling that Emmanuel might even know the answer to this question. <laughs> but go for it, Rex. Well, I think like, what what we tend to get into a discussion quite often as well as like hey is is female and male is that is that put into gender or is it into more of the sort of hey everyone has male and female within themselves but i do think that if you look at the more feminine way of building a company there is that uh more more of a sustainability to it it's not building companies nurturing to, it's not making those big bubbles and then hope to sell it for a good price before it bursts or uh, having that exit in mind uh, all the time. It's looking at what is the impact that your company makes on the environment? What's the impact that you have on your community? How many people do you provide a job to? Uh, what's loyalty part of, uh, as part of your company as well? So in the end, it's a more humane way, I feel, of, of doing business. Interesting. And I think that so many of the new solutions that we need to transform our society into a sustainable one require long-term thinking and long-term commitments. And you do need to be purpose-driven because, you know, the returns might not be so obvious, but they will be there in the future. So, um, yeah, interesting. We have another question from Valentina. What would you say is the most common factor that holds women back when they want to start their own business? Risk. Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, that, that's definitely one of them as well. But I do, I'd like, I think the number one thing is really taking that risk, being bold enough right. to not even burn the bridges behind you, but to quit your job, to quit that stable income, to, uh, to, take, to take that next step. And that's also because we're not only, we don't only feel responsible for ourselves a lot of the times we feel yeah. responsible for the for the for the household uh if not for our, our uh partner and kids then for our parents or for, for we're don't we're busy with so much more than just what we want and how we want it that yeah. a lot of times taking that risk to sort of take that leap of faith and and leaving that stability behind us yeah. uh, i think a lot of women uh are tend to be locked in by the golden cage they've put themselves in yeah and i think you know a lot of entrepreneurs want to make that 
trajectory looked really successful and easy, right? Like, so I had an idea and I took a leap of faith. That's not what happened for me at all. I had some great jobs with like senior level positions. I was head of communications for an awesome sustainable fashion initiative. And I was global PR manager for the world's biggest creative production company. And I just didn't like the roles. You know, the jobs weren't what I wanted. And I think for me, it was like, it was actually like a bit of a like, oh, moment, like shit, none of these jobs that I wanted I want <laughs> what's the next step it must you know I must have something that I can add value for myself and it was terrifying you know and at first I was a freelancer and then the calls you know kept coming and I could start to structure things but I think it's really important to be transparent so that more people can learn from you because if you make yourself look like this overnight success people will think it's really prohibitive to step into that space too so yeah definitely I mean we 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 do talk i think about struggles but then it's sort of in the way of like the fuck up nights and there's always this positive and, then to it and we've learned something from it but sometimes it's yeah. just really and that's also i mean one created the next women it's to to offer up that's the supportive network that you're not alone because being an entrepreneur or or taking your first steps even on that journey people that don't know what it means to be an entrepreneur uh, don't understand a lot of the struggles that you have. Like if I look at my own personal life, I have only a few friends and I think like one or two that aren't entrepreneurs. One is an entrepreneur, so he gets, he gets me in that sense. And the other one isn't an entrepreneur, but it's just open-minded. Wait, and all, to your friends, to all your friends are entrepreneurs? No, no. So one is an entrepreneur, oh, and one okay. and one is and one isn't an entrepreneur, but is is open to it. And the other ones, they're not entrepreneurs, and they don't right. get why I would work eighty hours a week, right. why I would buckle down, work on a weekend if that doesn't give me a direct pay pay increase or whatever. They don't get what it means to. You, you need to find your crazy tribe, right? That can like answer yeah. your calls when you're like, I've got an idea. Um, we have another question. Does the queen bee phenomenon, oh, I'm skeptical about this question. Anyway, does this queen bee phenomenon happen a lot in female entrepreneurship where female leaders treat their female subordinates more negatively than the males? Does that happen? It's, uh, well, I'm not sure. I, I can't really answer that because I don't know too much of it from the entrepreneurial side of things. I mean, I do know the queen bee effect. Quit your job. <laughs> well, no, but I think it's it's a uh, what you see happening there is a clash between generations because if you look to the generations above us, a yeah. lot of these women they really had to buckle down and fight their way to the top, like skin and teeth and everything. So yeah. they they were brought there with a learning or or adapting to the male, the male way of of reaching the top. And yeah. then also be uh, with the mindset that there's only room for one. So yeah. yeah, everyone that comes close to her position then is a threat. And yeah. I do feel like with initiatives such as the new female leaders uh, that we have uh, that started in 2019 here, but also like what we try to do with creating awareness and, and, and making role models visible. It's showing also that we can share the cake. There's yeah. no there's enough for everyone and that we don't need to uh, put each other down to get no. up like the crab basket. Cause that's sort of similar to it, that there's 
air crabs need each other to get out of the baskets and they the one gets out by putting the others down and I've never heard that analogy but yeah we don't need to do that there's there's more power in sisterhood and and uniting our voices i totally agree and i think that like living and breathing and practicing collaboration and abundance is a really powerful mindset but it's almost like an energy that you need to step into and it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable um, but I truly believe that, you know, I mean, certainly in terms of entrepreneurship, in terms of different businesses, you, for me, it's really important. There's a lot of people that do similar stuff to us. So it's really important for me to have found my own um, USP that I really feel like we can own that is different from others so that we can celebrate, but even collaborate. Um, and within companies, I think that it's unfortunate that, you know, some people might experience that from, from other women in their team, but um yeah, um, I agree with you about the different generational mindset that some people still believe they need to mimic that kind of scarcity mentality, whereas this new generation is hopefully rising up um, to practice something different. So we have another question from Gillian. Since female role models are so important, who are your female role models? Well, I, I have like two close to home. One is my, my, my late grandmother, who when she was 50, uh, did her beauty schooling and had uh, practice at home for the last 25 years. So really took that uh, that step at a later age, but really showed uh, her entrepreneurial mindset and, and just that it was her time to shine now. Uh, the other one is my mom. I mean, she raised us working full time, having three kids at home. And so I really got that hard work, no fuss mentality from her, which sometimes bites me in the ass, I have to say. But uh, and yeah, I think like for others, I don't I mean, they're not really role models in it, that in the general sense. But I do look at different women in leadership just for guidance, uh, inspiration, uh, just like uh, Jacinda Arden, of course, who is now really one of the top women in leadership, uh, especially also during COVID, uh, but also uh, he, uh, Roxanne Varsa, who's a head of uh, Station F, uh, who's really united all these uh, accelerator programs in France to come together and really uh, unite. So different, different women and different aspects of life. They touch you, right? I've got friends like Nancy, who's like, just step into your power, you know? And um, it's so great to hear that. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's interesting in New Zealand, um, before we had Jacinda Ardern, um, <laughs> we had Helen Clark, who was a, um, yeah, a prime minister that I grew up with. Um, and Helen Clark uh, didn't have kids. She had a different aesthetic. She had a lower voice. And they were, I grew up observing the kinds of comments that were directed to her as a female leader. Um, and it's so nice seeing Jacinda pregnant, taking a baby, not that, not at all because she chose to have a baby, but because people are accepting this new narrative of this feminine leadership and this human leadership. Um, and I think it's like interesting in the time of COVID because um, I've got some quotes here, but some journalists have been, you know, really talking about the fact that women have been more, um, transparent and honest about what's happening in terms of the virus. So really talking about how bad it might be, but then being swift to act, but also not afraid to show love. And, you know, we really do disconnect what we expect from leaders and what we expect from our 
families and the people close to us. But I think it's interesting when a new type of leadership starts to merge, you know, Jacinda told people to take care of each other. And she made jokes about like the tooth fairy having a holiday because of COVID. Um, so, you know, this whole world of what we expect from leaders is really changing. Yeah, but it's really an interesting point because what, what you actually, I think the next step really is because we, we still call it like, yeah, the, the, we used to have male leadership and now we see feminine leadership coming up and it's about humane leadership. And it's about, I mean, guys can still be guys, men can still be men. And that's, they have good leadership qualities as well. And, and women, but women have that too. And we should look more to people and have the human being centric instead yeah. of, of valuing someone that has a lower, lower voice over someone that has a higher one. Um, we have so many great questions coming in. I want to make sure that on this Instagram live that we allow you to really just uh, share with people what government support exists specifically for women and the insights of your report. But before we do, let's answer some of these questions. So um, Startup, um, Startup Magazine sorry, asked, can competition be positive though? Yeah, of course. I mean, when I when we talk about uniting our voices to amplify it, it's not that we should all become one one pink blob uh, of women joining together. Uh, because in the end, competition is good, and competition. We live in a free market economy, so you need competition to get the better ones out there. What we do see, however, is that women because they're being a little bit more, little bit more risk aware. 84% of them, they surpass the five years of uh, their the first years of their company, which is the hardest part of getting your company to sustain. Uh, you do see that they build smaller type companies. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's hundreds of fashion brands. There's hundreds of- I mean, I think my competition, I'm learning from them all the time, you know? And I think that, hopefully we can kind of share um, tips and tricks with each other because there's still not enough um, female founder companies out there. So I think that it's kind of a joy when you meet people that are doing the same stuff as you because you're like, yes, more, more of us. And it's about thinking from, from what, what you said before, from abundance, being yeah. aware that this world is huge. There's 7 billion people on it. Uh, you don't need to be tailor making everything to seven billion people so choose your tribe choose your niche focus on that and let others have another part of the pie yeah and people are going to choose to work with whoever they want to choose to regardless so rather than being protectionist it's you know nice to kind of be open and i think maybe covid's open up to few and few markets as everybody takes their services online before we get into that another question <laughs> do you believe that a push for quotas to represent women is needed in the netherlands from a political perspective what can be done and then she said, in order to get women to boardrooms, managerial positions, et cetera, what do you think about quotas? I'm a firm believer in quotas, um, but not until the end of time. What I see is, so the topic of, of gender equality and, and women's rights, is, it's a fairly new one. I mean, we've only been active in that sense for 100 years now. We have the right to vote. Uh, I think like it wasn't until somewhere in the 60s that women within the Netherlands couldn't open a bank account without an approval of their husband, brother or father. So we've been financially independent only since the 60s. So if you look at what we've established within the last 100 years, we've gone quite a way. 
uh, on the other hand, I mean, the, the World Economic Forum report last year showed us that if we continue on the path that we're on uh, and making the progress that we are doing right now, it's going to take us another 208 years before we're at the before we're at the equal level. So to exaggerate yeah. that, we need quotas because we need to make a statement. We need to be aware of the fact that if we do things the way we're doing, there's inequality. And that statement of, of uh, Justin Trudeau as well, where he's like, why wouldn't I hire a woman on my staff? I mean, it's 2016. That's when he said it. And that we're living in two, 2020. We're aware that we're that there's in, uh, inequality in the world. There's inequality in our boardrooms, in fun, in funding, in so many ways, shapes, and forms. So to accelerate the change, we need to make it a, a topic of conversation. And if we just say let the status quo be the status quo, and we need the best one uh, to do the job, yeah, of course. In the end, we do need the best one to do the job. But if we we don't make a quotum for it right now. We surpass yes. the fact that our entire system is built to not bring female, yeah. to not bring women. I agree. And in New Zealand, you know, um, as a white New Zealander, we're called Pakiha. Um, you know, we are uh, educated from quite a young age to take into account our privilege um, in terms of you know Indigenous and Maori perspectives, and there are quotas at university. Um, and, you know, because we don't all start from the same level playing field. Um, so I also really agree in quotas. And if you are somebody that's eligible for a quota, I wouldn't shy away from that fact um, because, you know, it's there to serve a purpose. And I agree, like, hopefully we'll arrive at a point where we no longer need quotas. Hey, Ritz, so tell us about um, why was there a, a massive survey done by um, Startup Amsterdam and The Next Woman? Um, what were you hoping to achieve with the survey that you just conducted? And what did you learn? Well, our goal was to, uh, I mean, we, we're in a unique situation, in a situation that we've never been in before, uh, and to really get the, the needs, the struggles, and the challenges uh, from the communities that we're trying to help and that we're here to support. Uh, I mean, we, what you tend to do a lot of the times, uh, and we as entrepreneurs tend to do that in general, is like we have an idea, we think we know the solution, and we just run with it instead of having our uh, theories tested with our uh, with our clients, with our with our community, with our people. So that was really for us uh, at the Next Women the goal to to do the survey, and it was really great to be able to partner up with Startup Amsterdam for the to conduct it. So we don't only have the feedback from our own community, but from a broader perspective of female entrepreneurship within the Netherlands. And so you learned that ninety five percent of all female businesses have been negatively affected by COVID. Yeah, yeah. And what you see there, I mean, 77% uh, of the entrepreneurs have seen a, a direct decrease in their revenue. 54%, uh, yeah. if I say it correctly, even saw a direct decrease of their market. So the crisis wow. really hits entrepreneurs hard. And I mean, we, we've seen that already in the news, of course. I mean, our government has stepped up to the plate and has come up with a lot of different tools and measures to to accommodate entrepreneurs that have a direct uh, negative effect of the crisis, whether you're, you own a restaurant or you're in the event business or whatever. 
Yeah. Uh, now even with the 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 hundred million that's become available to start in scale ups. And so, is there like a special fund for women, or is it is a is the city looking into that, or like what can female founded businesses expect, or? Well, I know that the city of Amsterdam has really, really has female entrepreneurship as a hot topic on their agenda already. Yep. They, it's part of their four-year plan. Uh, we are working together on on getting uh, something digital going as well. What we've done within the Next Women ourselves is we've taken every event that we've planned at least until October online. And our prediction is that we have to take everything online for the rest of the year. We were planning yeah. our hosting our, our own summit, uh, so our annual conference in October. We've decided to cancel that for now because, A, uh, it's going to be a, a huge challenge uh, and a financial challenge, a financial gamble to get that going. And maybe we can't even do it in October. And on the other hand, is that all events that were planned in April, May, uh, March, April, May are going to October now. So it's going to be quite an interesting uh, fall i think yeah yeah definitely um so what does a network like the next woman offer in terms of like education and learning i think for me starting a business it's been so important to find other women that i can just ask dumb questions to and get guidance but um what do you see your role as going forward in this new space well, what came out of the survey as well, and uh, luckily for us, that's already sort of the phase that we were in, uh, is that there's a need for networking, uh, which is uh, something that we, well, that's our core business. What we do, uh, we do a lot of matchmaking. So people uh, that join our network that have business-related questions, which can be relatively big, just I want to sit down with someone and, and, and talk strategy until relatively small. Uh, hey, uh, someone someone wanted to register a nonprofit and wasn't sure if they wanted to do it A and B E registered or not. Well, we have someone that has done that has registered a nonprofit before. Go talk with them. So it's a lot of that. We do peer to peer groups, so mastermind sessions, just to have your own little tribe of four to five entrepreneurs that you can ask all your dumb questions to, but also your smart questions, your struggles, and your wins. Um, there's a lot of need for coaching. Well, we do coaching hours, which are quarterly sessions based on uh, topics such as strategy, marketing. We invite experienced entrepreneurs and professionals to take two hours of their day and just sit down with uh, members and have one-on-one -on -one, uh, coaching conversations about the topic. Uh, there's a need for funding and investment opportunities. So we do funding mornings, which are designed on... Uh, I mean, I, I went to one of your, I'm not looking for funding, but I came to one of your funding mornings and you were offering the chance for women to just stand up and pitch their business. And I was like, oh, that could be kind of fun. I think it's like nice to have a, an environment where you can play and put on different hats. That's, that's hugely valuable. Yeah. And just especially when you, when you look at the funding part of things, because a lot of the times when you go on that funding path, it's it's serious right from the get-go like you need to be well prepared have all your answers ready because uh, these investors don't do anything else than value companies value propositions and a lot of the times what you see is entrepreneurs don't necessarily have that funding financial background like you started your business because you had a cool idea and 
oh wow, it took off and now it's going a little bit faster than you keep than you can keep can keep up with. So you want to get some external money in to to be able to grow. So a lot of the times you're it's zero to three when you come to the table already. And that's what we really try to offer is on one hand that knowledge component of how do you approach uh, an investor, what are questions that you can expect, what is sort of the lingo, like uh, do you have your pitch deck ready? Uh, And I see that for myself, like I've been part of this space now for three and a half years. And I just like, I've learned to play the game and I know the right words to use. And And I do know something already behind it now, but I mean, now I get questions from people saying, do you have a financial background? Well, I don't. Yeah. But you need to be aware of that because if you're talking to people that don't do um, anything else with their day but talk funding and finance, and if you're not, um, yeah, if you don't know that language, it's, 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 it's not going to work for in your efforts. Or, or, yeah, it's not going to be a positive conversation because... Yeah. You're don't gonna be. You don't go, gonna come across as as well educated and, about and your company, worthy, right? right? Yeah. And I, I mean, I see it happening now as well, where I'm, I'm talking to entrepreneurs because they find us uh, because of their funding question, and uh, we dive into it. And we're talking about the company. We're talking about the business. And at some point, I say, "Well, okay, that's great. So if you could send me your pitch deck." then I'll look into our database and see what, what possible investors we have for you. And then sometimes I get, a, I get the question of people saying pitch deck. Okay, so we need to take a few steps back. Sometimes yeah. I get a pitch deck. I've, I've once received a pitch deck of 94 pages. Okay, we're going we're gonna to take a step back. Or I don't get a pitch deck, but a written now business plan. So even I am now at the point where I, I take like three steps already i'm already three steps ahead of some of yeah. uh, the people that sit across from me um sounds like you have a bit of imposter syndrome there rex <laughs> i have no doubt that you're an expert when it comes to all of these um topics hey so what's the risk for equality if during the time of covid a whole lot of these smaller female founder businesses are no longer there well i think it's the, the general struggle or the general impact of COVID is going to be not only that women-led businesses are going to fall over, uh, but businesses in general. I think every entrepreneur is struggling right now. I mean, there's, there's a few that aren't. Hey, if you own a supermarket chain, you're doing quite well. If you already had your full uh, online web shop up and running, the chances are that you're, that you're doing quite okay too. But there are a lot of businesses that aren't doing so well. Uh, and you do see that a lot of women tend to have product-driven companies, event businesses, and um, uh, ha- uh, communities such as these. Such as these. So, yeah, what's going to be the impact is that women uh, are left without their companies, and uh, we all gonna we're gonna start back at zero again after this crisis. So that would be really a shame, and especially just because we came so far just just now like 2019 was really the year that everything was on the agenda uh conversations were happening measures were taken uh we were moving forward 
I still think it's an exciting opportunity. I think it's really interesting that globally, you know, female leaders have been seen to be not just kind, but really effective. Um, so hopefully people start to trust and come around to this new style of leading as a sign of strength and investable, let's say. Um, and I just wondered if you would share with us a little bit um, about, you know, how people can support female entrepreneurs. Because how would you know, um, you know, who, who leads a business necessarily? So how can people kind of divert their money towards those that may benefit from it most? Yeah, well, I think what, one of the, the, the more easy things to do in general, whether it's, it's supporting female entrepreneurs or, or male entrepreneurs or everything in between, is to look at has we we have the hashtag here in the uh, in my hometown now as support your locals so don't go to an amazon or a bowl.com or have one of the bigger giants uh or to the to the yumbo if you could also go to your local butcher like support the local entrepreneurs that are really uh needing needed of your help right now Next to that, we on The Next Women uh, have a company overview of the members of our uh, network. Uh, so those, there you can find a, a quick and easy list of women-led businesses. So if you're looking for uh, strategic advice to legal advice, but also just for a present for yourself or your, or your wife or your kids or your employees, we have a list uh, that you can use just to support female entrepreneurship. And every time you buy from a female entrepreneur, a real life person sings. <laughs> <laughs> there is a real life jump for joy. That's, That's awesome, right? So, um, are there any rounding up thoughts that you'd like to share with people? Um, you know, where they can go to get information if they're struggling or what's on the radar in terms of coming up to support female entrepreneurs, not only yeah, in the Netherlands, but possibly beyond. Yeah, uh, well, I, I know like a lot of the, the international groups such as Albright, uh, Female Funders, uh, The Wing, like everyone's rallying to keep this uh, topic active and to keep the the move had to keep moving forward so just keep an eye out on everything that you that you can i mean i signed up to i, I believe around 15 newsletters already uh for us we've taken everything online so have a look at our agenda uh, our calendar uh, on the nextwomen.com for interesting uh, upcoming events we have a linkedin profile check coming up our coaching hours, our next funding morning. We're doing uh, every Monday in May uh, at nine o'clock, uh, a coffee moment where we start the week together. So if you're feeling lonely or you just want to connect with other female uh, entrepreneurs, uh, be sure to join. And, I've jumped uh, into a few of these like online meetings where they have no agenda just for that. So that's awesome. Sorry, I interrupted, continue. No worries. And uh, yeah, and like I know Startup Amsterdam and uh, a lot of other female initiatives, we're working hard on uh, creating a, a space together where you can find everything just in one platform instead of having to join 15 newsletters and checking out 20 yeah. websites. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, and I would encourage anybody that's interested in learning more about business or female leadership in general, just to follow the next woman, um, because it's great to kind of dive into areas that may not be so obvious to you. So thanks so much, Rex, for your time. All right, you heard it here first. Support your locals. And if that means supporting a woman-led business, you're likely supporting more people than you think. 
If you got this far, thanks for sticking with me and tune into my next episode with a new brave leader with a bold vision of the future, someone willing to create a disturbance to achieve positive impact.